Hello and welcome to another episode of The Wannabe Entrepreneur, the podcast about what's really like to bootstrap a company. My name is Tiago, I'm your host, and today I have a special episode for you. Last week, I was not feeling very good, especially towards the end of the week. I felt very discouraged. As you probably know, the month of March was great. I was able to double my MRR, monthly recurring revenue. So I was very confident that I could keep up in the month of April. Or rather, I was not confident. I was really hoping that I would be able to do so because I'm currently now burning my savings. I'm not getting any unemployment money anymore. And I really need to make ends meet. I need to cover my expenses. And, of course, if I kept on doubling my MRR, things would look good. I would probably be able to cover my expenses by the end of May. But then the first week of April came and I got zero sales. No one joined the community. I entered in what is called the Trout of Sorrow. Started questioning myself, is my product even good enough? Will I ever be able to make it? So I was feeling really low and at the same time I had been speaking with a lot of bootstrapper friends and that's what is great also about having the communities that I'm surrounded by like-minded people and I felt that everyone was kind of feeling the same. Everyone, especially the full-time bootstrappers, were feeling that they wanted to maybe start finding a job, doing something else. And we had very great conversations. And uh, I called my friend Dagobert. Dagobert, I interviewed him in, uh, I think it was October. And you should definitely listen to his episode. And I wanted to get an update from him. I want to update you on what's happening with Logology's product and with this Twitter audience. And the reason I, I mentioned his Twitter audience is because when I interviewed him in November, he had about 5,000 followers and now he has 26. It's more than five times more. It's amazing his growth and uh, his engagement is out of the charts. It's probably the person on Twitter that has the most engagement, at least the people that I follow. So I wanted to check in on him and also chat about my own difficulties and doubts. So this episode is about this conversation. Before we start though, I need to give a shout out to one of my Twitter followers because in the past week I asked if someone could print screen once I reach 777 followers. And a lot of people actually entered in this little game but the first one to send me the screenshot was Moonlight SRM, and I will just quickly read their Twitter bio. They save time and optimize processes with a simple SRM software that's designed to help companies operate more efficiently. So they didn't pay me to do this. It's just, I just like to give a shout out to some of my followers bootstrappers and uh, I quite often do this little game so if you want also a shout out in the podcast make sure to follow me on Twitter. Moonlight SRM and the link to their account will be in the show notes of today's episode. And now without any further ado let's get started with today's episode The Conversation with Dagobert. 
right so what were you asking <laughs> no yeah i was asking maybe how long have you been doing this this is dagobert a developer turned bootstrapper that together with his wife lucy has been developing and building a startup logology that allows you to create beautiful logos for a cheap price since we first talked in november Dagobert and I have been exchanging messages, supporting each other over Twitter. Today, I decided to call him to get an update on his projects and also to chat a little bit about my own situation. We quickly started speaking about it and I just hit record. And in 10 months, you went from zero to now 150. It's about $200 now, yeah, $200. And you're telling me that it's not fast, and I, I hear that you know it's not you're not making a thousand or anything, but I don't know. It doesn't seem too slow to me. I mean, it's not ideal, but like I don't know. Like it took me almost three years to make more than a thousand per month. I also don't know what what to expect. So when I started, my goal was to somehow make a living, like make a salary out of yeah. my projects. And how much is a salary for you? <laughs> great question isn't it? no i mean i would be happy now with just maybe just covering my expenses so like rent is like around yeah. 450 uh so like a thousand like i if i was making a yeah. thousand I, I i don't know maybe maybe you can tell me that but like for me is i'm expecting that so i, I i'm expecting that the moment i start making money that like at least i'm covering my expenses uh everything kind of shifts like i'm i'm more relaxed i yeah i don't that's feel that my goal like too and yeah time. yeah so i haven't i haven't reached that but let me just stop the conversation here for an instant did dagobert just say that they are not able to cover their expenses ask anyone that follows dago that sees the crazy engagement that sees the twenty-six thousand followers on his twitter account I bet you that no one would ever assume that they are not able to cover their expenses. So I just wanted to confirm this and I reiterated the question. No, no, we're only halfway. We're still like very much hustling to try to get there. Mm. You know, we need basically we need like to make 5,000 a month and we make about three. Okay. But in a way it doesn't, I mean, we have a plan and we feel like it can work. We're confident in the plan, which doesn't mean anything as a startup, but we still are confident. <laughs> but So what's your plan? Like your plan is just like continue doing what you're doing and uh, wait until you reach the 5,000? Five, 5, uh, well, you know, it's not like it's recurring revenue. So I have every month I have to bring in more people. You know, If I need 5,000, I need to bring yeah. more people than last month. Yeah, that's the thing that is... I like it more about my model is that the moment I get a user, you know, at least they will be there for a couple of months, I would say. Yeah, yeah, especially a community. Yeah, it yeah. makes sense. Um, yeah, I mean, I think we... Actually, I like that because I'm like, I'm about to succeed with that, which is so fucking hard. So, like, I can do any... I, I mean, I keep thinking to myself, if I had, like, just a simpler product, I would make a killing. Uh with how many customers I can attract with Twitter. Yeah. Um, so, but I don't, I love the game more than the outcome usually. So I don't mind. Uh, I'm fine with, uh, 
you know, my product. I really want to see it through. Uh, mm. I like the challenge, but... I don't know why, but there is this thing among us, bootstrappers and entrepreneurs. We just want to take the hard path. It's like an athlete waking up at 5 a.m. to go to the gym and then follow a very specific diet. It's extremely hard, but we kind of want to do it. Even today, I was chatting with Jasper from the WB space, and he was telling me the same. He wants to build products that are hard, that are complex, that challenge him intellectually. And it seems the same is happening to Dagobert. He wants to succeed with the logology against all odds. It's an extremely hard product to succeed though. I'm not sure if I am the same. I think I'm changing a little bit. More and more, I just want to succeed with anything, doesn't matter what. But I also want to become a better entrepreneur. I want to know how to succeed with any kind of product. And in that sense, I understand what Dagobert says. If he's able to succeed with Logology, he probably will be able to succeed with any other product. I mean, see what he was able to do with Twitter? It's amazing. And I wanted to know more about that. I wanted to know if he thought that building such a Twitter audience was an easy task and if anyone could just do it. You know, I don't want to pretend like anyone can do it because I think it can be misleading when people say, oh, you can just do that. And like, and at the same time, I don't want to pretend like I'm just like super talented and it's because of that that I succeed. You know, I feel like yeah. it's in between. Like, I have this ability to write things that resonate with people. I think that's true. Yeah. But I also think I, I, I worked so hard understanding this fucking algorithm and making it work for me. And it's also because of that. Because I see a lot of people with really amazing tweets and they have no traction and so they give up quickly. Uh, mm -hmm. And I think I spent as much time. So yeah, so I think it's both. It's like, it's a natural medium for me, Twitter. I notice like it's, it's, it works well for my style. And I have some, it's somewhat easier for me than for many people because of that. Yeah. And at the same time, there's also, I mean, I spent 10 hours on it every day for six months. You know, I like, I just did that. I yeah. just did that full time. And every time a tweet didn't get viral, I was mad. I was mad at myself. I was mad at the algo and I tried to understand. And so I experimented a lot. And then, you know, I have a system now. Uh, it's dangerous to compare ourselves like that. Like, for example, like you talked about Peter Levels yeah. and, you know, love the guy. I love the guy, obviously. Um, started chatting with obviously, him more we, we all have to, right? I mean, he's the god of bootstrappers. So I mean, if you don't love him, you don't love indie hacking. So, yeah. you know, get the fuck out, you know. Yeah. I mean, you'll be I mean, cancelled if you don't love him, right? Like, the moment no, you say I mean, that, we like, shouldn't. <laughs> actually, it's good. If I mean, actually, if you don't love him, I'm interested in you because then you have some interesting views, probably. I mean, yeah. oh, you're an idiot, but like, I'm yeah. curious. Uh, and uh, what I mean is, like, um, like, look, I mean, He's so fucking successful. It's like 300k a month or something, like revenue, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. right? Something like that. Uh, and 300k, man, can you imagine? Uh, it's no, absurd. I probably can't. <laughs> it's uh, yeah, it's like he's making like uh, three million a year, so that's about it. Yeah. Uh, uh, exactly. So like, that's, that's probably 250 a month, and I'm making 2500. I'm making a hundred times less than him. 
you know, and there's two of us because there's my wife. So I'm making like 200 times less than him, yeah, yeah. you know? And so, but like, it doesn't matter. I mean, in a way it's pushing me and it's inspiring me, but in a way, like it, there's so many parameters. There's like, there's talent. I mean, I feel like the, the level you need is hard work. You need hustle and hard work and fucking persistence. That's like the baseline that you need. And, you know, and, and it's normal to feel down sometimes. It's normal to be down. I mean, it's, it's part of it to lose hope uh, for a while. Yeah. But I feel like at the end of the day, what makes you, you know, make a million or make 2,000 or make 20,000, uh, it's not necessarily in your control. Uh, you know, it's like, it's a lot yeah, of yeah. parameters involved. And for example, I think he started, I don't know how much it helped him, but I know like with COVID and the sw switch to remote work, like it made his job board go completely huge because of that. Yeah. You know, so he probably, you know, I don't know the numbers, but like, Mm -hmm. times 10 or times five is income in like one year or two years because of that you know so there's also luck involved like being at the right place at the right time now you could also say it's talent because you could foresee something like a, ten, a trend exactly, yeah. you can see it's hard work like i think it's dangerous to look at people who are successful and assume that it's because they're just geniuses uh and like they're way better than us because it's like very disempowering to think that when like it is, yeah. it's way more random and lucky and like and he's brilliant and he's hard working but he could be all that and make only like 20k and not 200 i think yeah and it's not you know and it's not too i don't know you, you know what with, i mean with peter levels it's interesting because um at first when i started trying to kind of investigate more about him uh, there was not a lot so he has the book which i think is really good and i, I, yeah. I read it, it's really interesting and there are a couple of uh, talks where he speaks, but I also wouldn't say that he's a particular great speaker, right? Like there's these people, when they speak, I think for instance, Arvid is a great speaker. When they okay. speak, you you they grab your attention and they explain what's going through their mind really clearly. And I think with, with Peter, maybe he's not like the best speaker. So at first I also thought, okay, maybe there's a little bit of, uh, of luck involved or something. But then in our chat and... The, the more also like I, I kind of learned from from him I know it really seems that he has something you know like this kind of uh not sure if it's genius but like this kind of brilliant mind or something that int intuition like maybe what you have with Twitter he has the same yeah. with with building products because I mean three million a year for one person I mean that's that's absurd and let me just take this opportunity to share with you something that happened this past week with Peter Levels. He is very active on Twitter, as you probably know, and my way to communicate with him is to tag him on a tweet and ask a question, and he quite often actually answers me. And this time I asked him, when do you know it's time to stop your project? He normally mentions that if your project is not growing at a fast pace, you should just stop and start another one that's kind of his approach to bootstrapping. So I asked him, how do I know that I am not growing fast enough? What pace is slow and what pace is fast? And one thing that he mentioned answering this tweet, I find really interesting. First of all, he mentioned that uh, every case is a case and you cannot just extrapolate ideas and concepts from one startup to another, because again, every case, it's its own case. 
But I still asked him, okay, what about for you? When do you decide to stop a project? And he said something that he never actually wrote in this uh, book, which is, it does not actually stop the project. It just stops paying attention to the project. The project is still running. That's actually what happened with Remote OK. The project was running, was not making enough money, but when COVID hit, it suddenly started picking up. And I've seen that happening so many times to my own projects, even just now. After two years, my YouTube channel, one that I used to basically do some kind of amateurish vlogs in it that I really enjoyed and then put a lot of time into it, but never really got any traction, started having traction. I just got a notification saying that I just reached 100 subscribers and I was like, why is this happening right now? And apparently one of my vlogs is getting tons of views. Just went from 200 views to 2000 in three days. So sometimes it's just good to automate your projects. And that, that I think is really important. When you are building your projects, you need to automate everything. Think that you might need to stop paying attention to it tomorrow and it still needs to run. That's kind of the mindset you need to have. And then let it run. If you don't want to spend time in it, don't. Just let it run and eventually it might just come back to life. So this is something interesting that Peter Level does and I wanted to share that with you. Another thing that I also think it's important is that we should not compare ourselves with others and even less with superstars. Like You, you wouldn't compare yourself with Elon Musk or Mark Zuckerberg. And you should also not compare yourself with uh, Peter Levels. Compare yourself with your older self. That's the best approach. And I know it sounds a bit cliche, but it's really the best way to face life and to face bootstrapping. Otherwise, you'll have a lot, a lot of disappointments. And that's also Dagobert's opinion. I don't even try to, to judge if somebody's a genius or not. I don't really care. It's more like... If I do work, will the work, will it improve my own situation? Yes. I'm, I used to think, oh, I need to be as good as this guy to be happy. And then I realized as soon as I start making progress and I get to a level I'm happy with, I don't need to be as big as this guy. Yeah. Like, for example, like I started working out like four years ago. Now I stopped, but like I, I did that for a year and I was lifting weight and I was like, I'm going to be like Schwarzenegger. Like that was my <laughs> goal. I mean, I knew it wasn't possible because like he just has amazing genetics, but it was also a goal. And then as I started getting a bit, you know, more muscle, I was liking myself and I was like, oh, I'm awesome like this. And I was like very far away from like a bodybuilder yeah, or anything. Yeah. And I, I feel like it's the same. Like you don't have to think. So like go back to the Twitter example. You don't have to be like me who's like everywhere all the time uh, to be successful with Twitter. Like you could be successful enough that you make a thousand dollars a month with your product. Mm -hmm. uh, and you don't have to be like me with like, you know, a lot of tweets that get everywhere. So we established that it's not productive to focus in the things that we cannot control. So what should we focus instead to attract more users, to transform our idea into a business? If you're like me, a developer, you'll try to build features. You will assume that your product is just not working because it's missing that one extra feature that will change everything. That's what Dagobert used to think too, but that changed. I wrote a full Indie Hacker post about you should stop hoping. Like that was in February, 2021, 
about you should just stop fucking having hope. And that was me talking about having hope for the next feature to save me, which I used to have all the time and realizing, oh, I built this new feature. People are going to love it. And people, and it doesn't change anything uh, to revenue because I wasn't doing the right things. And every time being crushed of like spending three weeks building something, you know, releasing it. Okay. It doesn't improve revenue. Fuck me, you know, and it lasted like a year of doing that. Yeah, yeah. And then a couple months after that, I remember talking with someone about uh, should I give up or should I keep going? So that was probably April 2021. I was like, should I give up or should I keep going? Because it's like, you know, going nowhere. And I remember realizing at that time that I needed marketing. I started understanding that this was necessary. Yeah. But I also thought, I'm shit at marketing. I am not the right guy. I was like, okay, I'm not the guy to build a startup. That's not me. I'm not able to do marketing in the right way. I'm not able to understand distribution channels. I suck. Like I I can't do it. And then I was willing, I was ready to give up, started looking for jobs. And then there was this feeling of like, oh shit, I really don't want to go back to a job. Like that was just like, I I really didn't want to. Mm-hmm. so then i was like you know fuck it i suck at marketing but i'm just gonna try again and again and so i started you know doing the stupidest marketing i could do which was go on twitter look for people saying what are you working on today and just fucking talk about logology every time i had a yeah. chance <laughs> just like stupid promoting eventually this strategy started bringing good results to dagobert he had his first viral tweet that reached 60 likes Back then was amazing for him since he only had a couple hundred followers. He completely shifted his strategy to marketing. He would not spend most of his time now building features, but instead writing tweets. That's how everything started to change for him, for Logology and for his Twitter account. He started to get more followers and now he's known as the marketing meme guy the meme lord, always joking around about how developers need to stop building features and doing more marketing. That was also something hard for me to understand, to shift from being a developer to becoming an entrepreneur. And Dagobert quickly understood that this idyllic lifestyle that he imagined, just building features and being successful, was not sustainable, that you actually had to do things like in a normal job that you didn't like so much. Eventually, I realized, oh shit, it's not about being a kid happy all the time. I mean, it's not going to work that way. It's not going to work. If I just like, I just do what I enjoy all the time, Mm -hmm. it's not going to work. It's like, I'm going to have to do things I don't like kind of like when I had a job, like, and it's horrible to realize that. I mean, when I realized I was like, fuck, like, it's like, it's like some grieving you need to do. Like, oh, I have to do things that are painful and that I don't enjoy, even though I left because I wanted that. But then it becomes about what's the lesser evil. Like, is it actually going back to a job and just being completely slave to that? Right. Or is it like, you know, swallowing this pill and doing things you hate for a time yeah. and with a purpose of like eventually, you know. Yeah, but that's the problem. You don't know if eventually you will get something out of it, right? So, 
when you're doing a job, you know you'll get a salary. Yeah, but like at a job, you know. I mean, at least I knew because I mean, because I mean, it's not about knowing; it's about your own perspective. So it's not there's not a right and a wrong one, right? Mm-hmm. But like the way I saw it is like at a job, I know it's screwed. Like I know it. I know there's no way because I I had the best job I could have, which is remote. Four days a week, big salary, awesome team, a lot of responsibility, freedom, completely remote. And yet, I didn't really like it. So I knew there's no way I'm going to find a job that I truly love. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So because I know that, then it becomes a, a, re- a relative thing. Like, okay, so I can have this painful experience of doing marketing for my startup. And maybe it's going to bring me some relief eventually and success that I dream of that's going to get me the real freedom that I want. So that's a risk, but that's better than job. And I'm just going to do that and not have anything in the end. Cause like money is cool, but it's nothing in a way. Like it's not the freedom. It's not the, the life I want. We hear this a lot from entrepreneurs that they want this entrepreneur lifestyle, that they want to live life in their own terms. But a question arises here. Is Dagobert actually doing the best he can to live the lifestyle he wants to live? Wouldn't it be smarter to find a better way to use his skills and the audience he has built on Twitter? Yeah, because it's funny. Like the other day, I saw Daniel Vassallo, you know, share his stats and all mm-hmm. the money he made. And he makes a ton of money. And he shared like the traffic he had from Twitter. And it's less than me. I get a shit ton of traffic from Twitter. I get like seven or eight K a month uh, on my website. So a shit ton of traffic. And with this kind of traffic, I mean, basically, you know, he has some course products and they basically convert 10 times more than my logo product. Because I think just a course is way easier to convert because it's like, it's less moving pieces. There's this idea of like, like a logo, you only need it at a specific time. So you don't need it right away. Then you have to like the result, like a course. It's like you can buy it whenever, even if you're going to read it in six months, you can buy it now. You know, there's many things involved. And so, yeah, I definitely want to capitalize more on this. Mm-hmm. I have some problem with that because, I mean, I I feel I could make a very interesting course. I believe so. I started writing it. I sent it to a few people. They love it. They tell me, oh, shit, I would buy the shit out of that. So I know there's value. But it's more like a philosophical thing. I don't want to be the guy successful because of courses. I don't want to be that <laughs> I guy. Know. I feel the same with community, actually. I feel the same. Like the, all these people, then they start a community, then they make money. And then I think, I don't want to be that guy being successful with the community. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I want you to know, be successful like, with my product. You know? Yeah, because that, that, that doesn't seem legit. Yeah. Like it's like, yeah, yeah. I know. Like, and Daniel Vassalo, I mean, he's amazing and he inspires me. But like at the same time, I don't want to be. I don't want to be that. I don't want to be the guy making money with courses. Why are we so inspired by Peter Levels? Yeah. Because it's with products. It's not a fucking course. That's why we love him. Because like he's made it like for real. And that's the beauty. You know, like he's made it, made it, you know, because to me, it's, it's the fun part. But I should definitely coin the term bootstrapper's ego. We already have so many things going against us. It's already such a hard job hard profession that still having to fight against our ego seems counterproductive. We want to do things our way, but sometimes our way is just not 
easy. And I totally understand what Dagobert was saying here. And as I told him, I felt the same initially with the community. I felt like it was not worthy <laughs> to make a community because I started the whole process trying to change the world with my climate change app. And then I started the podcast just to narrate my journey. And in the end, I'm making money with completely different product. I changed my mind after a while, though. I realized that what matters is the mission. And my mission is to help bootstrappers to make their ideas a business. Maybe some of them will change the world. And that's what I'm passionate about. I also changed my mind in regard what is a worthy product, quote-unquote. I, at this moment, just want to make money. I changed to a more business mindset. And I decided to focus full-time on my community, to make it a full product, something that people really want to use, that people are happy about it. And that's what I'm passionate about it right now. I believe that the knowledge that Dagobert has should be shared because it can actually help a lot of other bootstrappers with their marketing to grow their Twitter account. So I told him that. I don't understand why you say that. And look at like your knowledge. You are you have something unique. You are able to get engagement yeah. from Twitter that not even Daniel Vasallo is, right? You 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 for the past years, like two years, you have been like uh, learning that, and now you're yeah. just writing it down. But like maybe the the part of writing it down, it's somehow easy for you. But you have to think about all those years of trying and error. Th that's that's all included in the course, right? No, that's right. I yeah I don't know I think I must have been traumatized by some course or something yeah. that I'm like allergic uh, and I feel like I would hate to be one of these you know bullshitters that's like the thing that I'm scared about the most and actually that's why I have some trouble sometimes promoting logology I almost never talk about logology yeah. on my feed because I have some things like that where I don't want to be you know that's why. It's funny people tell me that I'm a marketer now because some people, because I, I have way more followers now than before. So a lot of people who follow me, they don't even know I'm a coder. They think I'm just some marketer who's going to be a dick with startup founders. A lot of people mm -hmm. have told me that, like, you're so cool to us coders. I'm like, dude, I'm like, <laughs> you know, but like they don't know the story because they just followed me recently. I just, just see yeah. the memes about marketing. I'm still scared of marketing. I'm still scared of promoting myself. And I'm scared of like, I don't know. It's, I feel like I don't feel comfortable. I don't feel comfortable telling people what to do. I don't feel comfortable promoting my shit. And it's still a struggle to me. So I found comfort in like telling my story on Twitter that I can do and I become good at. So that's awesome. But I'm still like sidestepping in a way. I'm not like upfront being like, I mean, it would feel so vulnerable for me. I mean, the, 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 the thing, the most out of my comfort zone right now that I can think of that I could do is like write a course and promote it to people on Twitter. I would feel so vulnerable doing that. Could it be that the reason why Dago is against doing these courses is also because he's vulnerable, he's afraid of doing so, he's afraid of exposing himself or, or maybe he just thinks that is not good enough to do this course. He has the imposter syndrome. 
this really got me thinking because I feel the same a lot of times. For example, I don't want to do ads in this podcast. And I've told you this many, many times. And I always thought that the reason why I didn't want to do ads is because they are shit. No one likes ads. They damage society. And I kind of judge everyone that does ads. I've been talking a lot about Arvid's podcast, for example. I love the podcast. It's really good. But he has been advertising for MicroQuire for a while. And I started thinking, ah, why is he advertising for MicroQuire? Why are the ads so long? Most of people don't get about it, but I do. Is it because secretly I'm afraid that my podcast is just not good enough so that people want to advertise on it? Could that be the reason? I think this quickly turned out to be a therapy session than anything else. But maybe that's also what's happening with Dagobert. Maybe the reason why it does not want to do ads or do his course is not because he hates people that do these kind of courses. It's just because he thinks that he cannot make that. It's out of his comfort zone. And his brain tells him that it's easier just to say that people that do these courses are not worthy. That the hard way is actually to build a product. Logology is difficult. It's hard. Like, and I think it's harder than it needs to be. Like, it's harder than some of the things I could do. I, it's harder than a course, I think. Uh, like, there's so much competition. Like, we're starting SEO right now, but like, there's so little room, like, because everything's taken. There's like millions of dollars being poured out by competition for years for all the keywords, even long tail keywords. So, like, you have to scrap like the bottom barrel to find some opportunities. And like, but I, but like I fucking enjoy it, and 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 because what I enjoy is the learning actually. That that's mm-hmm. the deep down version is that what I enjoy is like feeling like I'm growing, and I feel like I'm growing tremendously with that, with this challenge, and I think that's why I'm addicted to it. Is like if there's a way to make it work, even if it's not the optimal path, I'm gonna do it. Mm-hmm. And maybe it's not the best idea. When I when I say it all out loud, I'm like, yeah, this is probably not optimal to make money or to be successful. But I feel like it's very optimal to me growing and changing fast because I because the challenge is harder. But maybe there's also room there for the business person uh, mindset, right? And and a business yeah, yeah, person yeah. would would look at you uh, and say like, yeah, I I, I mean. It's great that you love to make it everything perfect and it's your craft and so on, but I just need to make money. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, yeah. focus on what will make you money, right? And um, You know, because I feel like we still need to grow up into that. Yeah. You know, in a way, we still need to grow up into focusing on the business. And as you said, having this business person talking and not just this creator yeah. or this, you know, kind of like child wanting to do what they want. It's uh, it's funny when you say that. I'm like scared. I'm like, there's gonna be some asshole in a suit or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know? it's, and that's why we're not like this, and that's why we're stuck because we're like still yeah. judging. One thing that I learned from this conversation with Dago is that even though I think I'm humble, I am not, because I still judge. That's something that I've realized. Even though I'm not succeeding, even though 
I'm not able to live from my own projects, I quite often see myself judging others, either because they are building products that I think are not worthy, or because they are doing ads, or whatever. That's really silly of me to do. We should not limit ourselves, limit our potential, because we are afraid of leaving our comfort zone. I know that it's easier for us to judge and say that what the others are doing is not good, because that way we don't have to try it. Just as a last thing that I want to share with you from my conversation with Dago is something that happened to him recently. Listen to this. Did you see the tweet about the thousand dollars? No. Okay, because you're going to freak out. Some guy sent me a thousand dollars because he, because one no. of my memes inspired him to do marketing. And so he made a shit ton of money because of my memes, because of the inspiration from my memes. And so he sent me a thousand dollars in Bitcoin. How does that make you feel? I felt a bit jealous. I was like, and that <laughs> comes back to what we said. I'm like, shit, I should be way, maybe making way more money. This guy is making a hundred times than me. And I'm like, who, and that makes me feel like an imposter. Like I give advice and he makes way more money than me. But that was just like a tiny part. Cause then the second part was like, wow, I literally helped him make a shit ton of money. Yeah. And like, that felt so good. Like, I feel like, I mean, I feel like I would love to capitalize on it more, but like, I'm like, wow, I helped him make so much money that he's giving me a thousand. So I'm happy for the thousand. That's awesome. I'm actually going to use it to come to Lisbon. So I might visit you soon. Oh, but, nice. Because I'm like, this is a good opportunity. But uh, yeah, but like mostly it was like, wow, I helped someone so much that they're giving me a thousand dollars completely out of the blue. Uh, that made me feel, I mean, that was the best money I ever made. I, because I mean, it's not, and again, it's not about the money. It's about feeling how much you help someone. Yeah. And actually exactly. ties in with what we said about the course of like, mm -hmm. when I tie all these pieces together, I'm like, I should do a course now. I mean, I mean, I was already starting, but like I should commit to it now. I don't know if this conversation with Dagobert will motivate him to do a Twitter course. If it does, you can thank me later because I know it will be useful for everyone. But I think we realized a lot of important things here. We realized that we are still limiting ourselves. We are limiting ourselves to our comfort zone. We judge others so that we don't have to do the same as they are doing and we also realize that in the end what really really matters is our mission what we are passionate about if you are passionate to change the world it doesn't really matter how you are doing as long as you are changing the world if you are passionate about helping other bootstrappers in Dagobert's case it doesn't really matter if you are doing that with amazing logos or with helping them with their Twitter marketing, what really matters is that you are helping them succeed. I know that there are a lot of courses and everyone can literally do a course. I mean, you just need a pen and paper and that's it. But Dagobert's course is based on his own experience, his own success of hours, days, months, of trying out different tweets, understanding what makes the algorithm tick and 
what makes you the user tick and what makes for great content. I really hope that it continues with this idea of building a course and I really hope that he has the success that it deserves in the near future. This was my conversation with Dagobert and I have to say that it made me feel better. It made me feel that I'm not alone, that no matter what you're seeing around, it might seem that everyone is super successful, but everyone is dealing with their own insecurities and struggles. We are all bootstrappers, we are all entrepreneurs, and the reason why I'm creating this podcast is to help you to turn your idea into business. And I'm doing that alongside with you because I'm still not there as well. I hope this conversation inspired you to put your egos aside and start building, start making money, start being an entrepreneur. If you like this podcast and you want to make sure it continues to exist, you can support me by becoming a member of the WB space. Besides supporting the podcast, you also gain access to our virtual co-working space for bootstrappers. We are more than 40 people together building our projects and it's really fun. Besides, we are going to have our first public WB space event. It's going to be the demo day for our bootstrappers accelerator and it will be on the 24th of june tickets are now available the tickets are free but uh, i only open 50 tickets for now and the link to acquire your ticket or to claim your ticket will be in the show notes besides that you can dm me on twitter and it would be great if you can leave a review on apple or spotify it really helps with the algorithm this was another wannabe entrepreneur. See you next time. Thank you, Luisa, for introducing Stefan to the WB podcast. Follow Luisa in Luisa Underwater.